Hi, friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Jess Sohn. How are you, Jess? I'm doing well. Excited to be here and chat a little bit about life kind of during college and after, I guess. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is so it is so great to see you. Jess and I were just um exchanging pleasantries and realized that it's been seven years since she graduated. And I said it seems like yesterday, but then again, it's like so much has happened since 2016. It's like we live in a different world. Um, uh, but uh, like I said, Jess is a 2016 graduate of our program, and she currently serves as office manager and executive assistant to the CEO for a company called Postal. And we are going to get all into that and what Postal does. Um, it's not the United States Postal Service, um, completely different, but we're going to uh, we're going to hear all about that and hear about her journey. She's had a really, um, a really interesting journey, I think. And um, and she was such a fabulous student here at Cal Poly. I was just so excited to be able to to catch up with you, Jess. Tell us where you grew up, first of all. Yeah, so I didn't grow up too far from San Luis Obispo. I grew up in Ventura, California, so two hours south, still on the beach. Yeah. Um, I feel like the only thing, there's differences, but the biggest difference is like it's double the size of San Luis, but otherwise it feels pretty similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've always wondered about that, Jess, because, you know, you drive through on 101 and you only see a little bit of Ventura um, and, and it kind of looks super small, you know, it seems super small because you're just like jetting right through there. Um, but it is, it's, mu it's, it's much bigger than, uh, than slow. How big, how big is Ventura? I want to say, cause slow, what is slow at? Like what? Slow. Well, the county's 250, 250,000, but slow is only about 45. Yeah. I think, I think Ventura is around a hundred, but Ventura County, same thing. Like that's uh, really large. So. Right you know, probably similar or more than Slow County. Right, right. Gotcha. What your what did your parents do when you were growing up? Um, so my mom actually worked for a really big financial uh company when oh. we were younger uh -huh. and um decided to uh kind of be a stay-at-home mom. Okay. Uh yeah, my mom did too. Second grade. And my grandma almost said, I'll pay you to stay home because, you know, I want you to be around for your kids. Yeah. Um, but she never quit working. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. Was, of course. She was always, you know, doing something part time or being on this board or that board or always doing something. Um, right. Keep working. Yeah. Um, and then it was funny. Not until high school, she or when my brother and I were in high school, um, did she start working full time again. So. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so she took, um, I, I, I will say she probably never took a break because raising kids is a job too, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and then my dad, uh, he is a general contractor and it's oh. kind of like the Winchester Mystery House. He's been working on the same house since I was in first grade. So um, <laughs> I don't know, do the math on that, but over 20 years. So <laughs> well, wow. Wow. 
interesting story. <laughs> that, is, that does sound like an interesting story. We'll, we'll save that one for another time. Huh? <laughs> what about, so you mentioned a brother. So you have uh, one one sibling, a brother? Yep, I have one sibling. I have a twin brother, actually. Uh, no way. I didn't know that about you. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. He... We split up when <laughs> we left high school. He went to a small university up in Oregon oh, uh, called cool. Pacific University, so he could go yeah. play baseball. Yeah, uh, I'm a Pacific, yeah. Yeah, so that's where he ended up, and now he's down living in Simi Valley and works um, in L.A. at uh, Anheuser-Busch. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, nice. that's cool. It's always good to have a beer guy in the family. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up one of my uh, one of my best friends or uh, a really good friend growing up. His dad was uh, a Budweiser distributor. And then um, and th- that was, uh, you know, we weren't supposed to be getting um, any uh, benefits for that. But then later in college, it's kind of crazy. I had another friend whose dad was a Budweiser <laughs> distributor and then we were of age. So it was it was OK. Okay, but you know, um, that's that's wild. Um, yeah. Tell us, uh, tell us about what it was like growing up. I mean, you know, we, I think we probably a lot of people would have the stereotype of Ventura that you were a, a surf gal, um, but obviously we don't want a stereotype. What were you? What was your jam? Uh, I did up? get into surfing, but not until later, not until yeah. high school. Yeah, um, but. I, I was definitely probably, I don't want to say forced into sports. I wasn't bad at them. Uh, but I played basketball was my main sport Yeah, through since third grade through high school. I played yeah. club. Um, and that, I don't want to say that felt like my identity, but it's like sports practices a lot, you know, because yeah. through breaks. Um, and then my brother played baseball, which is obviously the season right after. So it's almost like my family never had like a vacation time come school. Um, Never left the sports fields. Never left the sports fields. So, um, that was probably like a, a lot of my time. Mm -hmm. Um, also very artistic, um, just on the side. And then, uh, what was your medium? What did you get into? Were you a painter? Mostly drawing. Drawing. drawing, copy yeah. change. I love to draw cartoons. Yeah. Um, I still kind of do that now and then. That's um, fun. And then I think the other biggest part that people like a fun fact that a lot of people don't know about me is that in high school, um, they had kind of different programs where if you wanted to focus in nursing or con uh, being a contractor or kind of like a trade almost. Uh huh get into a program and it was traditionally for kids who may not go to college and I, I knew I was going to go to college but I kind of wanted to get out of the traditional right. yeah. <laughs> traditional classes so um, I actually was in uh, like a culinary track for my junior senior year of high school Ooh. and almost considered actually doing that as a career yeah. um, but uh, I got to spend, you know, every day after lunch going to culinary class and then doing work experience my senior year. So that kind of that got me into the working force. And then I, you know, have it stopped since yeah. I was, you know, 16, 17. So. Right. I love it. So. Uh, so the glory days question, would that be your glory days response that you were like a, you were like a master young chef? You could have like gone on to uh chopped and and uh and one you know i got some really interesting experiences from, from that i worked for really high-end catering companies yeah 
um and met you know a lot of different famous people if you want to throw that out but it's just you know it was a different world uh, yeah yeah sure have you uh have you gotten into like the the food network and and stuff like the bear have you watched the bear yes i watched the bear oh yeah. my goodness the bear is so good <laughs> and yeah. then i think i learned too catering business is is great in a way because if you, let's say if you own the catering business, you don't necessarily have to work weekends. You have other people doing that. If you own a mm-hmm. restaurant, that's 24 seven. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I want to go there. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is important to learn those sorts of things early. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I started in restaurants pretty early in life as well. And I, I kind of, uh, realized like, yeah, I'm not so sure. I mean, I loved it and it's, it's yeah. great community. It can be great community, but can it can also be toxic community in some some ways. Yeah. I got into a couple of toxic environments where I was yeah. like, "Whoa, yeah. this chef is nuts!" You know, <laughs> like that type of thing. They all are. They all are. <laughs> it seems like that, right? We don't want to stereotype, but it it does seem like you know. I had a friend once, and um, who was a chef, and he was like, "Yeah, well, you have to understand that people who are drawn to being a chef are drawn to not." being in front of people that are instead being in front of a hot fire all day. And it, it can kind of drive you a little, uh, it can dri- drive you a little crazy at times. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about uh, that transition, uh, Jess, you know, um, people, some people, I don't know, this is kind of a, a weird one. Like, did you have a, did you have an ideal job growing up? Did you have something that you like, you know, like my daughter is like dead set. She's been dead set on being a vet for a long time. Hey, um, do you awesome. have an ideal job? Uh, you know what? It, it's funny. I shouldn't say this, but I will. I always wish I did mm. because I, you know, traditionally, huh, no, no surprise. I'm a planner and yeah. I like to be able to see, you know, what the future holds and growing yeah. up. Obviously, yeah. that's not how the world works. Right. Um, but, you know, I always wish that I was, you know, dead set on like, I want to be a flight attendant. I want to be, you know, uh, a nurse. I want to, you know, and I just huh. never had that. And so to this day, I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to be. Right, right. <laughs> Well, you know, that planner aspect uh, that that you have, that's that can that can drive you um, and uh, and that can that can make for a pretty good career. Let's talk about uh, that transition to Cal Poly. Tell us about obviously pretty close and being to Ventura, but um, tell us about that journey. Everybody has their own unique journey and path to, to school. Do you have a story there? Um, I got in probably to about nine colleges. And I made this joke with my parents that I was like, I, I can't be away from the beach. And I had gotten into places in Colorado and then some more inland, um, I think, you know, Washington State, something like that. But I ended up coming here or I ended up going to slow when I think it was when is everything brown? Like now around fall or something. When I went on a college visit and I went, I'm like, I don't want to be here, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's not pretty. And, but then I was thinking about it and I was like, no, I, I actually want to, it's near the beach. Yeah. Uh, I had this 
disgruntled counselor that said I wouldn't be able to get into Cal Poly because my grades weren't good enough. Oh. And well, I proved them wrong. There you go. I like that. <laughs> you were like, and, uh, I'm see about that. Yeah. And I originally um, actually got in as a graphic design major. Oh, um, okay. So I didn't apply as a recreation parks and tourism, which it was then. And yeah. I got a graphic design major and I had to submit a portfolio and um, uh-huh. do additional work there. So that was really cool. Um, and that's originally how I, I got into Cat Poly. I love it. Well, tell us the story about finding the major. Um, so you, you got into, were you in graphic communication or were you in art and design? design? So art and design. Art and design. Okay. Yeah. So uh, for, for those who are not familiar at Cal Poly, there are two different majors that um, that have that graphic orientation, graphic communication, and then art and design with graphic design, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, and I guess, you know, art was always a hobby for me. And yeah. so I had never really played around with Adobe anything prior to college like my my portfolio was hand-drawn and so I got into these classes and I'd be looking around and I'm like I can't do that like I'm not that good and I'm you know it's one of those things where I know I'm a creative but looking at all these people's work Uh I was just like you guys are so far ahead of Mm. anything I could be doing Um, they were just so ridiculously talented and another, and I, you know, I kind of shrugged that off. Like, well, maybe I, I keep, you know, working and practicing. Mm-hmm. But the thing that really was a drawback for me is all of our classes were three to four hour labs. Mm-hmm. And you would just sit there and work on your work and no one would talk. Mm-hmm. And, and it was kind of just. Everyone's in, in their own space. Yeah. Their own space. And I was like, I don't think I could do this for four years. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. So I went and um, started talking or I went to the career services and I'm kind of like, I'm at a loss here. I, I I think I got into the wrong major. I know everybody says it's hard to change, but I, I want to look for something that fits, you know, fits me better. Yeah. And kind of looking at my history and my likes, they're like, well, have you heard of, you know, the Recreation Parks and Tourism Administration? And I was like, no, what's that? Mm-hmm. And explain to me. And I went and um, over and had some conversations and they're like, well, you scored high enough in your entry, you know, level. I, I don't even know what they yeah, look yeah, at. It's, yeah, it's MCA score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MCA score to, to get into this major. Um, but in order to transfer, you have to have, you know, these certain classes. Yeah. Luckily for whatever my mom made me take statistics when I was in high school at the college just nice. to get it done with and I was the class I needed to great transfer. job mom <laughs> so, um, so yeah so that's how I kind of made the switch and nice. then the rest of my college experience was one that was amazing so I love it you you got into our classes and we were talking to each other yeah <laughs> you were talking to each other and, <laughs> work and you yeah. know 
Yeah, you probably got tired of that eventually. You're like, golly. <laughs> Can I just go into a class and do my own artwork? <laughs> uh, I, I love it. So let's talk about, um, I know you made the most of your college experience. And I know this is a hard question for everyone. When you when you look back, is there, um, is there a moment or is there something that really stands out where you're like, oh, wow, that's one of those enduring memories that I'm never going to forget that you can share with us? I've been thinking about that. Um, and yeah. I don't know if I can pinpoint one exact moment. Um, yeah. The thing that I do look back on, which seem, I mean, it's not silly, but I don't know how I crammed doing as much as I did. Yeah. For years, you know, I was working 20 to 30 hours a week. I was going uh -huh. to school and doing my studies. I still had a social life. Uh -huh. I was in a sorority. Uh, I played recreational or like the rec uh, softball. Like I look back and I'm like, how did I do all of that? Like, yeah. that's awesome. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah, I can't really think of anything that really, really stands out. Right. Uh, right. Other than... I guess too, my freshman year was really unique in that my dorm ended up being really close. And so as the years went by, we would always run into each other and like catch oh, up. Cool. And we had a really unique group. Like there would be 30, 40 of us sometimes that would be in a place because someone invited someone and it was like this connection. Yeah. So in other words, like, yes, I was some close to some people in Parks and Rec, but it was my dorm that ended up carrying me through like college. Yeah. I love that. That is so awesome. So let's, let's talk about professional development, Jess, you mentioned, right. That, that you, that you work through school and, and we have a lot of our students who, um, uh, you know, who are, are pretty active and working and, and, you know, we kind of encourage that too, with the a thousand hours of paid or volunteer service. So when you look back during your time at Cal Poly and the, um, the the work positions that you had and the projects, all kinds of things. Is there is there something that stands out that you can share with our listeners to where where you go? Wow, that professional development experience really helped to propel me into a career. Um, I probably have to say because traditionally, I was working with people that were I'll say happy. But working in when I was a front desk agent at mm -hmm. um, the Cliffs Resort, which, you know, it's a higher end hotel. Yeah. Um, you're dealing with people that potentially aren't so happy um, mm -hmm. because of something. And so just being able to kind of that was the first time being able to strategize and you know, work with a customer to make them satisfied, happy. And honestly, letting the, like the general manager there, letting, allowing us to do that. It wasn't always like, let me go get my manager. Right. They kind of gave us a selection of different things to, you know, try to work with them and see if that would be okay. Or make people happy. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of allowed us to grow in that way mm -hmm. uh, to be able to be problem solvers and not you know, run to the super supervisor right away. Um, and That's a really great approach. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So that was probably a, that it was small, but it was eye opening into, Oh, I can be a problem solver. And you're not looking at me as this, you know, little college student that doesn't know anything or can't do anything. You're actually allowing us yep. 
to learn, you know? So that was, that was kind of cool. I uh, love that. I love that. And Cliffs Resort has been a, a learning lab, so to speak, for so many of our students over the years. And, um, it's been it's been quite the pipeline, and uh, I mean, what better place to work to uh, you know to go to work uh, on the side of a side of a cliff overlooking the ocean? <laughs> I, I can think of worse places, right? Yeah, shifts might have been not so great because it right. was seven a.m. to three, but you could watch the sun come up as you're going to work, and then there yeah, you, go. you got the ocean to look at. So there you go. Bad. Not bad, not bad at all. Well, let's talk about um, that journey out of Cal Poly and into the, into the career space. Um, tell us first of all, um, what your internship was, how you got it, the process and all of that, maybe one key takeaway. Yeah. So I actually ended up working for Cal Poly, um, working on their conference and events planning team as a liaison or more or less an assistant, um, to uh, an event planner, and we, we, I don't even really remember how I got that. I was just frantically applying to stay in San Luis Obispo, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I'm still amazed I'm still here. Um, but, uh, so I got that position and we immediately started helping with all of the graduate, the different graduation ceremonies. So not as they're only the main one, but for the, all the diverse um, cultures and groups and, and clubs that they do different ones. Mm-hmm. Um, we help set up for those um, and just working with uh, dining and make sure catering um, was all set. That was also a year that, there was big fires like up in Paso. And so we had mm. um, fire, like Cal Fire staying at the dorms. And so we kind of used it as like a makeshift hotel, checking them in, checking them out, um, making sure they had, you know, um, different supplies for that. Right. And then um, another thing I didn't even know until I had that job was we also helped with kids camps. They have like a kids math and science camp um, that Cal Poly does every summer. Um, with kids that are, gosh, I can't remember the age. I don't know if you do, but it's young, younger. It's like younger, elementary yeah. school, yeah. Over yeah. like middle school. Um, so being able to kind of, you know, those would go run for three weeks at a time. And so kind of checking in everybody in, checking out, mm-hmm. uh, making sure they had what they needed, uh, fielding parents, you know, emails, um, and just kind of making sure that went seamlessly. Um, and that was my first time ever really working with kids, which is also very different because they're they're pretty easy. I will say they're they're relatively easy compared to having like a group of adults. Right. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, you know, other than like they might be picky about the food or something, but right, for the most right. part, like they're just there to have fun. Right. Um, right. So yeah, so I kind of, that was my first, I had done things on the side event planning wise, but that was probably my first, I mean, that's more, I would say more conference group planning, not specific, you know, one singular event. Right. Um, right. 
I love it. Um, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about moving forward with your career. And um, I think it's I, I think it's really um, interesting. And, and I, I want to hear your perspective on this. Um, you know, you have risen to a position um, that you've now had two positions with two pretty, pretty great companies. Um, you, you worked for MindBody for, for over six years and, and you rose to the position of executive assistant first to the senior vice president of IT and then to the senior vice president of global business operations. And I think some people, when they hear executive assistant, they don't really necessarily know what that is, right? Um, but I know since, uh, since I've talked to um, executive assistants, since I know executive assistants, I know that there's there's a lot to it and there's a lot of responsibility and you really are in the C-suite. You know, um, it, it's kind of funny because um, our dean, we've had the same dean, the College of, of Agriculture, Food and Environmental Sciences. We've had the same dean for 11 years and he's basically had the same executive assistant for those 11 years and her title has changed throughout that time. Right. But he's retiring. And I'm thinking to myself, she's pretty much the most qualified person to run this, <laughs> this college because she's been doing it for 11 years, you know? And so you really do get to see the inner workings of the C-suite. Um, and, and so I wonder if you can reflect on that and, and what it's like and, and start with, you know, like a day-to-day, -day, uh, even though I know no day is the same, but tell us, tell us what it's like. Definitely not. Um, so. I would say people always make this joke that companies wouldn't exist if there was no executive assistance, uh, which I I believe in now that I've been doing it for yeah. a while. Um, it's just you're kind of like the right hand person. Yeah. And in my I, now, I don't want to say now I can be picky, but um you know, everybody is very different. And at a senior level position, people work in different ways. Yeah. And um, I can work with pretty much any, any individual as long as they respect me. Um, and so uh, I, it's been fun because I've probably supported and it's not even in my resume. I have probably supported six different executives. Yeah. Um throughout my time and they have all been severely different and, and what they need. Yeah. Um, like my first one that I had, um, Marty, the SVP of it, like it was awesome to have a female leader because mm -hmm. that's also not, I mean, in the technology space, especially in it, mm -hmm. um, it's usually not inundated with females and yeah. it's very much male. <laughs> male oriented. So it was really, she was just cool in a way that she didn't use me as a personal assistant, which right. you will get that. And that's fine. There, it, It's kind of one of those things like, yes, okay. Sometimes you are getting their coffee or yeah. grabbing their dry cleaning, but a lot of it is not that it's right. Right. with their team um, about meetings and deadlines and uh, planning, uh, financial planning, um, helping them with their decks that they're going to present to other departments, uh, 
working with them outside. A lot of executives sit on boards that aren't at that company. And so you're working externally um, with other companies that they might be employed by doing, you know, other side work. Um, And then also being kind of essentially next to them, the face of the department. So you're also taking care of, you know, whoever is in that department with travel needs, uh, training, Mm, uh, any type of um, big meeting scheduling too that they may need help with. Mm-hmm. Uh, meeting scheduling is a lot of my job. I will I say that. Say meetings um, and events and meeting and events and yeah, and then um, also just planning a lot of micro events. They might not necessarily be really large, but um, right. that's what is going on as well. Because um, uh, most companies are very much into team building especially now to retain employees uh, or pre-pandemic or during pandemic. Like that was a very big thing um, of how to do that virtually. So that was a big challenge as well. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, other things too, like I am an office manager now. And so I do, you know, the simple things of making sure that all looks good for people to come in and that, you know, not my favorite part of the job, but it, it's because it's, it's, you know, watering plants and making sure that right. I order coffee that week from our coffee guy and right. um, making sure that the the maintenance is being taken care of. Because just like a house, like an office, yeah. it, I mean, I've, you know, called several times. It's basically like property management, right? Yeah. Um, and so... I will say that it's like there's no one singular day the same. And depending on an executive assistant and who they support, it could look very, very different. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Um, now one thing that I'm always curious about, it almost feels like you have to be on call 24 seven, but does that depend on, does that depend on the executive? Does I will say that. And I've also been, um, I know we'll probably get into work-life balance, um, at some point, but, um, I've been very honest in that, I, you know, I will answer a Slack or an email or whatnot, seven to about five. Mm-hmm. And anytime outside of that, you need to text or call me if it's mm. important. There you go. Um, because I feel like that always makes someone think just a little bit more of like, do I really need them to do this now? Oh. Or is it not an emergency and it can wait? Yeah. Um, And that was something I learned not early on, but it was something that I I, I felt like I couldn't ask for that. Right. Um, Because I'm an assistant and I hate that word because that's kind of, I would say an executive partner in a way or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I know a lot of, um, having a lot of companies change the name to chief of staff as well. Yeah. One of the ones you'll see. Huh? Yeah. Um, basically what an executive it's a little higher level because you're doing more of an overview or you have more of hands on all the departments of the company uh-huh, that's um, strategic, right gotcha mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's just uh i i lost my train of thought there where i was getting into but <laughs> yeah no I, the, the what, what, let's jump into that work life balance cuz i think you I, you're you're addressing basically where where i was headed with it um and, and that is um 
you know, that worry that your life's not yours, right? It's like you're you're always on call for someone else. And um and and so I love that that you've established some boundaries and um and and you know, I mean, I, I look at it and I think about it. I mean, you know. Dr. Goldenberg and and I will will text with each other like at all times of the day, you know, and and um and and I've had other colleagues who are like, I'm really sorry when when I when I said, oh, sorry, I was asleep, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry that I texted you that late, and I'm like, no, whatever, text me anytime. I won't necessarily answer, but text me anytime. But but I love, I think, with your position, it does seem like boundaries for your work-life balance um, are are important. So it's great to hear that you've established that and have the people that you're working for. And I, I guess we'll, we'll go ahead to, we'll kind of go back and forth between postal and mind body, but um, are you, were, have you been empowered along those lines right now in your current position? Uh, I, would, I would think so. And I think also just communication. And I will say that a million times in any type of relationship, <laughs> you wow. know, whether That's it's like so your partner true. in life or your partner at work, yeah. you know, if you don't communicate, because like uh, a lot of, I will, I don't want to, you know, pigeonhole them and do a stereotype, but I will say a lot of executives, they're nonstop thinkers. They don't turn off. And so sometimes they'll be emailing me or, you know, messaging me and they won't say after that, don't worry about this until tomorrow morning, but we've had a conversation saying like, don't worry, you know, he's like, don't worry about it. I might just be getting something off my, in my headspace that I was thinking about and, you know, don't need to worry about it until, you know, the next day, which I think a lot of it is that, um, I have been fortunate and I haven't run into uh, having a manager that expects me to be you know, doing something all hours of the day. Right. Uh, on call. Right. Well, well, let's jump into that because obviously you, you um, you've had these positions, you know, through, through the pandemic. And, and so that um, I, I'm sure you were, you were with my body during the pandemic. What was it, what was that like? And, and I know um, f- for those who are, are, are not aware, my body um, was sold um, during the pandemic as well um, or before it was right before right before right and so i i remember i was going to reach out to you at one point when you were in mind body but i was like there was this limbo period and i was like oh i hope she's still uh, is working i wasn't sure and then i saw that you that you landed at postal and i was like oh okay i'm gonna let her get get her get her sea legs under her before i uh reach out but uh tell us what it was like with the pandemic and how do you manage? How did you manage all of that? And, and what, what was that like? So that was the first time in my career that I had to be. I mean, I've always been in positions that have been pretty severely confidential, right? You know, knowing about people's, you know, exits or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mind Body was one of the companies that chose to lay off or, um, Basically, no, nah, it was it was a it was a layoff. They weren't really they they were saying that they were expected to rehire, but uh, I mean, traditionally, and they let go around seven hundred people. 
and it was quick. It was less than a month after kind of everything shut down after that. St. Pa- I always use like 2020 St. Patrick's Day is kind yeah. of like, yeah. That was that was like it seemed like ground zero that day. That yeah. And so in less than a month. Um, you know, there had been whispers and it was making me really nervous, but at the same time, I'm like, all right, well, it's not just going to happen to me. It's going to happen to everybody. So I just have to wait. Mm -hmm. Well, my boss got me on and said, you're safe, but, um, there's a lot of work to do. And we let go probably a third of our department and I had to be, and I'm sitting here at home alone. Right. Crying at my desk because I know of all these people leaving and I can't yeah. tell anyone. Um, and so that was really rough. Um, and I am an extrovert. So just in general, working from home. Right. I, it was rough. <laughs> it's rough, uh, especially as an executive assistant, because you're not you're not necessarily having meetings all day long. Um, it's a lot of just email and, you know instant messaging and so mm-hmm. um, you might get one meeting a day but other than that like I'm sitting here like talking to my computer <laughs> so right, right. Um, so that was that was rough and with that um a lot of project management and things kind of got let go and mm-hmm. we were we had just started this huge project um because we got bought by an investment company that we they were basically making us go through and kind of do this huge project to change our process and um, mm-hmm. look at all the software we're using to kind of make the most bang for a buck, right? Because their biggest thing was they want it to be cash flow positive with it. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I ended up getting more responsibility instead of less um, and kind of got to dip my toes, even though I will say executive assistance definitely project management is a part of their their yeah. role yeah you get to do a lot right but yeah. i got i got to get into the the nitty-gritty of it and i was a, then i started attending like daily sometimes like three times a day of all these like project plans and um where they're at and i managed time cards of I don't know, over 80 contractors that we had. Um, And so working with those vendors to make sure that they're actually also doing the work that Mm -hmm. they're doing. Um, Right. Because you want to make sure that they build the house, you know, they're not going to take over 20 years to build a house. (laughs) I was kind of just like... Full circle, right? (laughs) I was kind of the gnat, which that I don't want to say that's what project management is, but it's like, you know, constantly, it's like, how do you get someone to do something when you're a stakeholder, but you're not their manager? Right. You're just managing the overall, you know, piece of a project too. I wasn't managing the whole thing, just the piece of overall, which that's never fun. Uh, So, um, that was just interesting too. Um, and getting to understand and learn more just about technology in general. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's really interesting with project management, you know, because we've just, we've just opened this, um, experience innovation lab. Um, uh, if you haven't got a chance to go on campus, you, you should check it out. I, I'll, uh, I would love to invite you up to come see the new building, the frost center, the frost center is pretty amazing, but, um, but, we're having problems with the project management angle of it because they're like, 
well, there's a punch list and you guys are pretty far down on the punch list. I'm like, well, somebody better start punching because <laughs> we need to be able to control the lights in our freaking room, you know? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, that, that was definitely one of those things that um, I'd always done, but that was like a big, it was a big piece of, yeah. you know, project and, um, you know, pulling metrics and reporting of hours and like when things slow down or picked up, did that reflect? And, you know, uh-huh. so. well, tell us now, let's, let's get into postal a little bit. Right. So um, obviously with the name, um, there can be some confusion. So you have to, you have to, first of all, uh, fill every, fill everyone in on what postal does. And, um, and, um, and I should say you're you're still local. Like it's like the dream of every Cal Poly grad to be able to stay in San Luis Obispo, and, yes. and you've been able to pull it off. So tell us, uh, tell us first of all what Postal does, and then tell us what it's been like to to stay local. Sure. Um. So funny enough, they used to be Postal.io, um, wow. but uh, Eric Kostelnik, uh, the CEO, he. I think they wanted to drop the IO because it's kind of like, you know, they wanted to buy that web domain of .com and because we were .io and now you could still search us that way. But anyway, yes, not a, not the postal service, United Postal Service, but um, we're an offline um, marketing platform, which makes people get confused with the offline piece because we are technically online right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you can, you can use it offline right <laughs> but basically um we're a service where we have a bunch of different vendors that are on um, our platform so say um your company for sales touches or outreach or um it could even be used as an hr um use as far as sending somebody, you know, a gift when they are getting an anniversary, their birthday, we have a bunch of vendors that basically have all of their items on our site. And so it's like a really easy one click touch to send somebody something. So let's say I'm trying to sell you my technology, my company, I could go on your LinkedIn, go and see oh, you posted something about pizza the other day. Maybe you like pizza. And then you can, you know, a lot of the times executive, if they can get to an executive assistant, get an address, they don't even need that. They'll send a link to somebody to get um, a call and be like, hey, I've noticed that you like pizza. Here's a link to claim a free, you know, or a to claim a deep dish pizza from Chicago. I'd really love to have a conversation with you if you're open to it. And that we call that a magic link. They click on it, fill out their own information, and then they're getting something sent to them. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And then another another way, too, is um, for conferences, events, um, instead of bringing physical items, a lot of our customers now are just, you know, making them scan a QR code for, you know, a free shirt or plant or whatever. Um, So they're not bringing all, you know, they're not lugging all of that material with them. Rather than those endless swag bags that you get. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So that would all be sent to your home instead of, 
wherever you're at. You might just get a little card to remember to claim it. Um, and then we have, you know, a system of warehouses. So say you want um, custom shirts and all of that, but you want to have a stock of them. Mm-hmm. We have warehousing for that. And basically we can just, they can just pull from there um, as they need those to go out or ordered and whatnot. Um, so it was a bit, they started in twenty late 2019. Okay. Right before the pandemic. Oh, wow. Um, and survived because I think the companies who were doing okay, working remotely, yeah. they needed something like this. Yeah. Um, and I could say as an executive assistant at MindBody, the amount of times that we've had to send things to like the whole department of 100 people or the project, which is 200 people, mm-hmm. I had to personally pack all of those boxes. <laughs> right, right. And so to have a service that does it for you. Yeah, that's pretty kind of, big. <laughs> it takes, you know, it takes the work and everything out of it. And, yeah. and you can customize. We have this um, additional service called Paper Plane. And um, we can customize like a full box for somebody. If they don't like anything on the site, we can pull from different vendors and make like kind of their own. Right. Um, of what they're looking for. So that's cool. That's cool. I love it. That's uh, really wild. So um, I, I had kind of gotten, you know, I had done my research, so I kind of had figured it out, but uh, you explained it even better than what I had uh, envisioned it was. So, uh, so great job there, um, uh, Jess. Um, so let's talk about, um, let's talk about a couple different things. Let's start with the challenges, right? So, Obviously, in any position in any industry, there are challenges um, that uh, that you have to overcome, and and um, that's one thing that I think is 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 good about challenges, right? Is that there there are things that that you can um, identify and overcome. What do you see as the biggest challenge for yourself in, in your current role and or for Postal uh, moving forward? Um, since I've started, we've also only gotten smaller um uh just due to honestly still effects of covid um people just aren't you know putting money into certain things and Mm. interestingly enough i we saw a switch into where um human resources were using our platform more for like a, a little bit more than just trying to get sales or other initiatives that they were working for, for um, employee retention. Um, and so I, I guess the challenges is like, I, I foresee it is like, do, are we going to keep our office space? Mm. I don't know for now. Yes. Um, but um, you know, or there is that whole thing of like, could we get bought by somebody that, right. Knows that might be in the cards, um, and we have competitors. It's not like we're the only one doing this. Um, but right. from what I've learned and done my own research, is like we, I think we do it better than right. uh, the other company. Right, right. Uh, so so kind of how to stay limber and how to stay competitive and how to stay where you're capitalizing on the market and potentially pivoting, like you said, with the human resource. Mm-hmm. angle and all of that mm-hmm. so kind of it's one of those things of you know i no one can predict what it will look like 
a year from now, right? So that's something that I've always found the technology industry to be so interesting is that it's not predictable. It's based on, you know, the world, everyone else versus like, if I, you know, had a job at the city or county, it's pretty much set. Like it's not changing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's been, I think my, my whole career has been that way. So, and funny enough in saying that I always want something to be semi-predictable is like my career has never been. <laughs> so Right, right. But you know, one advantage you have is that you have the ear of the CEO, right? So you kind of have an advantage there, right? I love That's, it. Yes. I love it. So let's flip it over and talk about opportunities, right? And and so I think that is, um, like you said, um, even though I've never worked for a technology company, um, I, I kind of live vicariously through a lot of our alumni and and um, it, it does sound like an exciting space. Um, what do you see as the opportunities? What are you excited about for the future? That sort of thing. Yeah, um, I guess in it'll be soon. Gosh, it's coming up. We're starting to gear into it. But because our company is so small, um, we're only, uh, I think we're at 65, 64 employees. Uh-huh. Um, we do an annual um, trip or get together with everybody. Yeah. And so um, we're working on that right now. Last year, it was in uh, Mexico. Okay. So, you know, that was firsthand. I worked um, with um, another girl at our company that kind of runs um, some of our other events and things that they go to for conferences. And we worked together to plan all of that and doing something. I was going to say a lot of planning for you for that, huh? It's just so wild, like how much more there is to be done. And even though, you know, traditionally a lot of them do speak fairly good English, there still is that small language barrier right. um, of Spanish and English. Um, and yeah, just being like, it was just so cool to see everybody get there from all over the U S yeah. we did all the transportation for them through a transportation company. And then, you know, all of the setup for the day-to-day of all of the um, meetings that we would have or just keynote speakers and activities. And it was just, that was like the first big um, event conference um, workshop that I had um, helped plan. So that was really cool. And we're looking to do that again um, in the beginning of the year. Um, I'm not going to say where in case anybody. No, <laughs> of course not. No, yeah, I was going to say you can't say anywhere or not yet. Before huh? <laughs> to that. Right. Um, That's exciting. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as far as growth, it kind of depends on where the company goes. Um, wow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm unsure of, of yeah. what that may look like, but uh, opportunities probably will present itself as, you know, as we grow as a company. So. Yeah, of course. That's exciting. So let's talk about uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of time travel. You ready for a little time travel? Um, so uh, so if you could if you could uh, go back in time, I guess it would be what uh, eight years or so and, and give some advice to your junior year self. What would you say to junior year, uh, Jess? Probably two things. 
Um, if you have not studied abroad, go do it. That was my biggest mistake because uh, I, I was so dead set on finishing in four years. Yeah. It put me over a quarter and I thought that would have been an awesome experience. So yeah. I still regret that to this day, but can't change it. So, right. right. Um, and then, and then all, yeah, because once you get into working after college, chances are, that time is kind of gone to do any big trips. Mm. Uh, definitely, I still travel quite a bit, but not anything where I could be somewhere for three months. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that would be one. And the other is whatever you choose to do after college, that is not going to be your last job. Right. So don't get stuck on picking the perfect role um because you're probably going to be doing something different or find something that interests you more yeah. um, i did get i i don't love change i was at a company for six and a half years probably didn't need to be right. <laughs> um, right. but uh i made sure that i was kind of moving around within that company as well right. just so you're constantly learning you know constantly learning i would say that too yeah whether it's going and taking a pottery class or you know taking an online certification that may not mean anything to you but it's interesting like i think just constantly doing something to challenge you even and it doesn't necessarily have to be you know your job what you're doing it can be outside of that Right. That, that's just uh, that's just fabulous advice for fabulous advice for for anyone um, going into a professional um, a professional space um, and in life in general. You know, it's all about lifelong learning and and learning new things, and um, that's what uh, that that's what keeps us that's what keeps us uh, interested and engaged. Right. I um. What was um I, I saw a bumper sticker this morning that I really liked. It said, um, the meaning of life for me is to live it. Um, I really liked that. I thought that was pretty I thought that was a good one. Yeah. So uh well, Jess, I can't thank you enough. Um, just uh really appreciate you um being willing to pay it forward and um so proud of you and excited for you. And um, you know, uh seven years uh out of school and still living the dream in san luis obispo like you're like uh do it. <laughs> you're like way up here uh as far as uh the status uh for for most people you know it's so amazing but um and i but i can't believe we haven't bumped into each other like we need to i need to buy you a coffee for uh for doing this so uh so uh, uh, I owe you a coffee next time I see you. Um, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Yeah. See ya. Yeah.